You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Our guest today is Dr. Bruce Stewart Brown. Senior Vice President of Technical Services and Innovation at Purdue Farms. The nation's sixth largest poultry and pork processor recently announced a collaboration with the University of Illinois and Cornell University, which will focus on addressing salmonella and campylobacter contamination at poultry processing plants. This collaboration is an extension of Purdue's ongoing efforts to boost food safety, and the company is funding the research that the teams are preparing to launch. We'll discuss that partnership and related topics in today's conversation. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Bruce. Yeah, very good, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. This new project with the University of Illinois and Cornell is shining another spotlight on the challenge that poultry processors face when it comes to food safety issues related to plant operations. Can you give our listeners some context on current efforts to eliminate the causes of foodborne illnesses on a poultry plant level? We have activities going on at every level of our organization aimed at reducing food safety risk from breeders and hatcheries and and grow out farms and as they come into the transport system, the processing plant, just a ton of work going on at every level. One of the things we believe is that the best way to go forward on food safety is to incorporate all the best minds that you can get in the government and academia and advocacy groups and all the best folks we got in every aspect of our company and open up and look at hard what you have and what you could get to and and where's the best opportunities to improve. So this is part of that project, which is We have a lot of respect for University of Illinois and Cornell and and many other universities, but we believe that working with them can help us be better and keep making progress in the food safety area. And on that note, part of this partnership is going to focus on the data that Purdue is already generating to optimize salmonella control strategies based on the company's familiarity on an operational basis versus data based on academic research. What are some of these data points and how are they currently being collected and what kind of potential safety enhancements are likely to be generated through the new research partnerships? You know, first of all, one of the really strong expertises that uh, University of Illinois and Cornell have is around modeling data and predicting or giving some sense of, of the benefit to public health as it relates to changing a particular number in your system from blank to blank, and looking at all of our data. And we believe it should be done. Honestly, there's a lot of modeling going on. The government is doing modeling around some energy to understand if the regulatory standards should be adjusted and how we might do that. So they're doing some modeling. Uh, Illinois and Cornell are doing some modeling with the industry. But as we got into it, we kind of believed that the modeling to have its best possible effect should perhaps be even at the plant level. 
we know that uh, the processing plants differ pretty dramatically through the system. And there probably is some common things, but we wanted to look at it really specifically with our numbers in our system. So back to your question about what kind of data that entails, we do breeder hen house. We sample them three times um, using boot swabs generally to understand what's going on in breeders. We do boot swabs on grow out farms, not everywhere, but many places. We do um, incoming feather rinses on all of our processing plants to understand what we believe is entering the facility. And then we have eight spots in the processing plant where we gather data and, and numbers so that as they go through the processing plant, we understand exactly what's going on. And of course, we have our own in USDA's final product results as well. So all those pieces of data and some of it's specific to salmonella and campylobacter and some of it's indicator organisms such as total plate count. And obviously, just from what all I said, uh, you can understand that's a lot of data. And basically, we understood we could really use these guys, these folks help to look at that data together. Now, it may be really early, but is there a possibility of using AI, artificial intelligence, to sort of sort or sift through some of these huge volumes of data that you're producing? Well, I would say I would say this, the, uh, the opportunity to use high-level statistics and data analysis, whether it becomes AI technique or just high-powered stats applications, we'll figure all that out and understand uh, kind of the opportunity there. And we're doing some as we go along, but the real power of it, I think, will be when we get all this data into a single place and and start to run the numbers. Now, Purdue is also among several poultry processors that strive to improve product and safety standards that go beyond the current regulatory requirements. What progress has been made in recent years within Purdue to track and prevent the potential spread of salmonella and campy, and will this ultimately be enhanced by this new collaboration? One of the things we think is that as we've done all that we've done in, let's say, the last 10 years, uh, we've made significant progress in reducing the numbers of pathogens on any potential product. Most of what people have been judging the industry based on has been positive or negative. And one of the things we think is that you can reduce and really drastically improve public health which might give you the same percent positives, but you did it through reduction of numbers. I believe we have a good amount of data that shows that these practices over the years have done just that. And no real change, and often not a change in percent positives, but a you know pretty dramatic reduction in numbers, which will translate into public health benefit. And one of the opportunities here is to model that and try to understand just exactly how much risk you can do and still have, let's say, a positive. You know, And it probably needs to be done with all the different serotypes. So it becomes quite complicated. And therefore, you know, we need to dive in. Absolutely. 
Now, Purdue is providing financial support for this school-affiliated research program. Do you have any concepts so far on the types of approaches and control strategies that U of I and Cornell researchers are considering as the partnership moves forward? For I mentioned this before. We take samples about eight places throughout the processing plant and measure reduction of bacteria as it moves through the system. Having said that, we believe that some of those areas are more important than others. And this is really hard to tease out, which mm-hmm. is when you do something in the scalder is the, and you get a two-log reduction in bacteria, is that as valuable as an inside-outside bird washer or some other component in the system? I think we'll get to those kinds of answers. And again, it might be serotype-specific. The other question that's really important and on everybody's mind is how much benefit can bringing less into the processing plant from the live side, does that really translate into public health benefit? And the logical answer is, you know, less is better for sure. Having said that, we've struggled to kind of tie those two together. And again, maybe it's methods and maybe it's the bang for the buck is best put here. That's the kind of thing that I believe this relationship will really help us with. It perhaps is so specific that you might have to do this in multiple plants to really get to where you want to go from a reduction perspective. So that's the idea. The other thing is that we're wide open and have been, you know, to the idea that perhaps some of our risk reduction techniques won't be things that are in the regulatory standard. The regulatory standard will be general and ideally, you know, focused on public health benefit. But if there's some things that we uncover with this project, we intend to do them whether they're required by the government or not. And then we would also intend to share them such that everybody could look at them and perhaps learn from them as well. Not that it'll all translate to everybody. Right. But at least it's a starting point for Purdue at least, right? Yeah, that's right. We're looking to move our system forward in the best possible way. And uh, honestly, these folks have a great expertise that we, we intend to tap. And speaking of which, both Cornell and the U of I have solid track records studying the dangers of salmonella when it reaches consumer plates. How did Purdue decide to work with Cornell and the U of I? Are there specific outcomes that these three partners are aiming for? And is there a time frame for results for teaming up with these schools? We know both these universities and have done some things with Cornell in particular in the past and, and now University of Illinois. What has impressed us or what impressed me and us in general is that they have done quite a bit of work on the produce side And it appears to me that some of those things that they have been working in produce translate to chickens as well. They have done some work in mapping fields for pathogen opportunities. Honestly, that's much like mapping a chicken house as it relates to, you know, the opportunity to reduce salmonella and campylobacter. We did this project just recently. We've been talking about it where we went into a chicken house and mapped it out into 30 squares and pulled a chicken from each of those 30 squares and tested it for salmonella and then quantitated it as well. 
And about half those chickens were negative and half of them were positive. Almost all of them had around a log or a log and a half, except for two areas in the chicken house where that particular chicken had four or five logs. I think we'll find this the more that we do is that, first of all, if you think the chicken house is homogenous or the chicken's reaction to salmonella, it's it's not. And the second thing is those hot spots that may occur within a chicken house, go find them and go fix them. That'll be the thing that I think really takes you forward in this incoming load discussion, but it's quite complicated. I think these have this kind of insight from the produce work that they've done that makes them uniquely qualified or up to speed on this kind of subject. So pretty neat and pretty, I believe it'll be quite helpful. That's terrific. So it'll be a sort of a combination of the data and the modeling and the statistical analysis working together. Yeah, we have the data, they have the modeling expertise, and they have some really good questions about what about this, what about this, that they've had from previous experiences. And then, then of course, the ultimate outcome was, will be, change these three things, and you will significantly benefit public health by, by doing these three or four things. You're doing 20, but concentrate on these three. That's the kind of opportunity that this brings you. Now, you mentioned this a little earlier. Is the expectation that the results of the projects and the research will be shared among poultry processors so that everyone in the industry ultimately benefits from the anticipated boost to food safety protocols? Yeah, of course. We think, actually, I believe the industry in general is in this boat that whatever each of us learns or knows or finds out, it might not translate to your particular plant, but you might consider these things. We found this to be more helpful than other things. So you're welcome to see if that works for you kind of thing. Right. Now, finally, are these collaborations between the private sector and academia becoming a trend when it comes to food safety concepts and research? And if they are, Do you see them generating the types of breakthroughs needed to continue the reduction of bacterial contamination in the nation's food supply? Well, I'll give you an example of why I think these will continue and these can really benefit companies. And for one thing is academicians have a lot of expertise. They need to know as best you can possibly communicate with them what the questions are, what the current questions are, and what you've tried. And that sharing really requires effort and commitment. We have to slow down a little bit and describe data and methods, and they have some expertise to try to uh, understand what we've done and why it hasn't worked and or what has worked and maybe uh, fill in some holes for us. We have one really good example of a collaboration that started us to be enthusiastic about this We funded two master's students and a PhD student in the animal of animal welfare, animal care, Mm -hmm. all at three different universities, one in Delaware, one at California, and then one at Virginia Tech. And all three of those yielded some real insights to us. One was around enrichments, and actually the two masters were around enrichments. The other, the PhD student, was around measuring 
welfare outcomes using biotechnology kind of methods. So we felt really like that took us a, a long ways or it really helped us. And we developed some relationships with these three universities through it. So honestly, made it much like we go, okay, on food safety or on animal welfare, that seemed to go well. How about food safety? Sure. And uh, so we have started to do, and I do think that if you can get with the best minds in the country or in the world and work on these things together, academia, government as well, advocacy groups as well, and you're all aimed at a better outcome, I think that's got to be better. And of course, that working together is a makes things happen a little bit faster than they would if any one particular entity did it themselves. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely true. Is speed's important. Terrific. Well, thanks again for sharing your insights with our Meeting Pod listeners today, Bruce. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in this week. That's a wrap. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Music